All right, good to have you here today. Let's, let's jump into our, uh, our series again. Uh, we got through Commandment 7, didn't we? Uh, both on Sunday morning and Wednesday night. And, uh, and hopefully we learn something from that as, as we're moving along through these, what we're calling the timeless 10. And today, do not steal. Do not steal. For the past several weeks, we've been studying the Ten Commandments. We are calling them the timeless 10 because while they were given to Moses by God on Mount Sinai 3,500 years ago, a little while back, wasn't it? Uh, These truths, uh, these principles are as relevant today as they were when they were first given to the Israelites way back when. Uh, These principles will always represent the kind of life that God wants us to live Today's timeless principle is, again, as true today as it was then, don't steal. Don't steal. Now, if it doesn't belong to you, leave it alone. Got it? Got it? Okay. I guess we're done here. Let's have our closing prayer, and we'll we'll see you next (laughs) time. But wait. Now, there's, there's got to be more that we can talk about when it comes to the Eighth Commandment. And guess what? There is. There is. Uh, uh, so before we dismiss, let's go a little bit deeper into commandment number eight. Uh, what does stealing look like? Uh, we, we've got some ideas probably. Uh, it comes in different forms, like using someone else's Netflix account. Uh, shoplifting. That's a no-brainer. Embezzling money from the shop petty cash. That's stealing. How about this? Getting a Coke from the restaurant soda station when you're only supposed to get water. You, you didn't pay for the Coke. Uh, lots of things can be considered stealing. Things that, that maybe we've done before and not really thought about. Or maybe we did think about it and we did it anyway. <laughs> we, we know stealing is wrong, <clears throat> just as we know murder, adultery, misusing God's name are wrong. As we consider commandment number eight, let's talk about a, a couple of principles that really apply to all of the Ten Commandments, all the timeless ten. Principle number one is this. The Ten Commandments are the nation's foundation. The nation's foundation. Which nation? Yes, yes. Uh, all of them. All, every nation. They are the core common values of a civil society. If you kill or steal or are unfaithful to your spouse and all the others, society, all societies break down when they don't follow the Ten Commandments. Regardless of whether you're Christian or Jewish or, or, uh, or Muslim or Hindu or whatever, these principles keep a society civil. A, a great example of this is the current riots that are taking place in our country. Uh, and most recently in Philadelphia. Now, understandably, especially in the current environment, people are are getting upset uh, that when another person was shot by the police, the people in that community are upset about it. Um, A lawful investigation will determine whether or not the shooting was justified. We've seen instances when, when it certainly wasn't, and others when it was. You know, we can all look at the video that has, has been out there. We can form our own opinion based on that. But none of us were there. None of us were there. Only an investigation of all of the evidence can determine what was done right, 
what was done wrong, and if something was done wrong, then, then justice should take place. A civil society will wait for the truth using the Ten Commandments as a guide, uh, as, a, as a direction finder. You know, a civil society will not do what took place in Philadelphia last week. You know, I saw a report that one day a thousand people were looting stores one night. Uh, they were stealing things that did not belong to them. While one reporter was talking about it, behind him, some guy was pushing on a hand truck a washing machine that he had stolen from one of the stores. Uh, they were destroying other people's property. In anger, they were striking back and injuring police officers. Now, again, we can understand anger that, that comes uh, out of these circumstances, but when that anger turns into chaos and violence, you know, nothing is solved. And a civil society just collapses into chaos. If you kill or steal or are unfaithful to your spouse or any of the other Ten Commandments, you break them, a civil society collapses and cannot, it cannot exist. These commandments were not given to us by God just to make a better you. They were also given by God to make a better us. To make a better us. Don't steal is of critical importance uh, in this list of commands because stealing can impact all of society, everybody. You know, it's, it's been called the, the only open commandment of the ten. You know, all the other commandments deal with the relationship with someone or, or with certain people, like murder, adultery, lying, coveting, that we'll talk about uh, in a couple of weeks. You know, these, these usually involve one or two other people that the sin is directed towards. Um, uh, like adultery, there's a one person on the other side that is affected by it. They are directly impacted, but society not so much by adultery or lying or murder. Not so with stealing, though. When you steal from a store, when you fill up your gas at a gas station and then drive off without paying for it, you steal from everybody. It impacts everybody. Christian writer, minister, and teacher Mark Moore said this about stealing. When we steal, the value of what is stolen is only a fraction of what it is actually taken. When you steal, the value of what is stolen is only a fraction of what is actually taken. You know, when someone drives off with a, with a tank of gas without paying for it, you know, maybe that costs 40 bucks. Maybe it was 40 bucks. But because of that, and others that do the same thing and, and steal other things in a store, the companies got to invest much more money to overcome those who do things like that. They've got to install security cameras and alarm systems, and maybe they've got to hire more people to keep a better watch on everything. And of course, the cost for all of that, uh, which is much more than 40 bucks, is passed on to the consumer. What one person takes, everybody pays for. Wow. There's a storm outside. What one person takes, everybody pays for. And isn't it true that when there is a theft, some of the most valuable things taken are security 
and peace. Security and peace. Not too long ago, I came home from lunch one day, and I saw that our car, our Pontiac, was not sitting where I had left it the night before, uh, on the curb in front of our house. Uh, now, I thought maybe Jackie had gone to the store or something, so I gave her a call and said, hey, honey, where are you? She said, I'm right here in the house. I said, okay, well, if you're in the house, that means somebody has stolen our car. <laughs> Um, I didn't notice it when I left in the morning, but it was, it was gone when I left in the morning. Um, basically, what had happened is about 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, someone had broken into our car, and then I made the mistake of leaving our spare key in the console. I meant to re remove it, but I forgot to remove it. And so they rummaged around and found the spare key and just drove off with our car. Um, now, thankfully, when I called the police and I, and I submitted a report, uh, the police were already working on some suspects of just a general crime that was going on. I don't know if it was drugs or what, but they were already sort of watching a certain group of people in a certain place in town. Uh, and after I filed the report and gave the description of my car, within just a couple of hours, they called me, Mr. Wooler, we got your car. And it was over near Five Points somewhere at some house. Um, <laughs> Uh, and which was great. Oh, and, and, and it was, you know, you've heard of stories of your car being stolen, and by the time you got it back after a week or so, it was just totally trashed and destroyed. Well, thankfully, because they've only had it a few hours, there, there wasn't much damage done to it. Um, and so I was thankful to have it back. But one of the, the problems that, that happened was that one of the thieves that was, the, the, the thief that was apprehended for stealing my car did not have the key to my car on him. It was nowhere to be found. Um, so it was a strange feeling, as far as my peace and security goes, to think that some thief in town had the key to my car and could just come one night and drive away with it again. Uh, I, I was going to change their lock. I never got around to that, but it's been months now, so I'm I'm hoping maybe that's not going to be an issue. But the police officer said sometimes that happens. We've had people who uh, had their car stolen and they had the key and they came back later and stole it again. <laughs> Peace and security was, was affected for me and Jackie. I'll have to tell you that I did not have warm feelings for the guy who stole my car. I, I do not have warm feelings in general for thieves. And I bet you don't either. Now, while I do sympathize with a community for the way that they feel uh, about the, the way they, they feel they're being treated sometimes, I do not sympathize with the guy who walked out of Walmart with a brand new washing machine. I don't sympathize with that guy at all. You know, taking that washing machine had nothing to do with seeking justice. It was nothing more than an excuse to take something that did not belong to them. Now, many watching the looting felt the same way. You probably felt the same way. Why, why do we hate thieves? Because we know that people steal because of greed, not because of need. Okay, once in a while, there might be someone who is starving and needs uh, uh, something to eat. And, you know, in India... <laughs> And maybe once in a while here in America, but, but most theft is caused by greed, not need. That guy was not stealing that washing machine to feed his family. He was stealing it because he saw an opportunity 
to get a free washing machine. Think of all the people who, who were affected by the looters, by the greed of the looters. People in the community, in their community, now have no job because the store was destroyed. It'll take months to rebuild if they rebuild it at all. It's not about need. It's about greed. It has been estimated that all crime in America adds up to about $603 billion a year. Now, how much of that is stealing, is from theft? Well, burglary accounts for about $4 billion. Shoplifting, and by the way, it's been said that 1 in 11 Americans shoplift. So 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. <laughs> How many of you are shoplifters? Um, shoplifting accounts for $13 billion a year. And fraud, taking money from your business or from work, uh, accounts for $300 billion a year. So the cost of more than half of all crime in America comes as a result of theft. Stealing things that don't belong to us. Well, those thieves should be punished, right? But before we answer that, let's ask ourselves if in any way we are a thief. In a recent psychological study, people were asked two questions. Number one, are you a thief? Pretty much everybody said, no, I'm not a thief. The second question was, have you ever taken anything that didn't belong to you? And Many who said that they were not a thief said, yeah, I have taken something that doesn't belong to me. You're a thief. In the same study, psychologists concluded that there were two basic reasons why people steal. Interesting. It often has to do with the way they view the owner or the victim and the way the victim views them or the way they think the victim views them. So a shoplifter reasons, you know, I'm not stealing from a person. I'm not stealing from a person. I'm stealing from Walmart. Um, I'm stealing from a business. You know, that doesn't hurt anybody. Businesses can't be hurt. And besides, they'll never know it was me. You know, I'm just some little fish in a sea, totally unnoticed by anybody. They'll never know it was me. I want it. They'll never know it's me. So I took it. So one reason people steal is, they feel they'll overlook me. They'll overlook me. They'll never know it was me. Masked looters were lost in a crowd of all the other masked looters. The second reason that people steal, according to the study, was uh, the feeling that they owe me. They owe me. Look at all the money that they make. You know, I, I should get my share. Why should they have a washing machine and not me? It's not fair. They owe me. I've heard people in the streets say that uh, this year uh, from the looting. The, the conclusion to this study is this. Greed, the cause of stealing, grows in the vacuum of anonymity and the feeling like someone owes you. Now, right here is where we're tempted to think, all of us, um, you know, that sure makes sense, Mark. That really does make sense. You know, that guy over there, he really needs to hear this sermon. Or those people who are looting Target, I wish they could hear this sermon, Mark. But as we've done with all the other commandments, let's ask ourselves, is this in any way me? 
So principle number one, the Ten Commandments are the nation's foundation. Principle number two, Moses founded a nation, Jesus founded a community. Moses founded a nation, Jesus founded a community. God, you know, God understood that if, if he was going to have a brand new nation, the nation of Israel, he needed laws to keep would-be criminals from becoming actual criminals. You know, a nation needs basic boundaries to let everybody know what's right and, and what's wrong so that the nation can experience security and peace. Everybody's on the same page of what's right and what's wrong. The Ten Commandments provided a, a civil society for Israel. Now, a community is a little different in a very important way. A community needs more than just laws. A successful community needs the right kind of attitudes. The right kind of attitudes. You've heard the term, you can't legislate morality. It's true. That's basically the issue that Jesus deals with when he talks about the Ten Commandments. You know, laws can help keep our society civil, uh, but, but not often it, it's, a, it's accomplished by deterrence, by deterrence. Citizens don't murder because they don't want to spend the rest of their lives in jail or be executed. Uh, it, it, if they could get away with it, they would. But the penalty for murder keeps them civil. Jesus' teaching takes us beyond deterrence and calls us to be civil, not to avoid jail time, but because it's just the right thing to do. And even more than that, because we love God and we love people. We'll talk about that more in just a moment. We choose to obey because we have the right attitudes. Now let's consider the last two commandments that we've talked about so far. Murder and adultery. First, murder. Uh, murder is the action. As if you remember what we talked about, what's the cause of murder? Anger. Anger. Anger leads to murder. Maybe we'll never get to murder, but that that is always precede, it always precedes murder. What's the antidote? What's the answer? What's what's the admin, what's the antidote administered because we have the right right attitude? Um, reconciliation or forgiveness forgiveness when we can reconcile and forgive then the anger fades and we never get to to murder how about adultery the action is adultery what's the cause that we talked about last week of adultery uh, that leads to it looking and lusting looking that leads to lust that could lead to adultery what's the antidote for looking and lusting remove it remove it Love for God and spouse motivates you to take the necessary steps to just stop looking. If you don't look, you won't lust, you won't commit adultery. All right, let's look at stealing. Stealing is the action. What's the cause of it? We've said so far, greed. Greed is the cause of stealing. Not need, greed. What's the antidote for greed? We'll get to that in a minute. As we said earlier, psychological studies say that greed grows out of two attitudes. They overlooked me, and they owe me. They overlooked me, and they owe me. Jesus teaches us that there are two attitudes that you and I must have if we're going to be in the Christian community. Can you guess what they are? We already said them a second ago. Love God, love people. 
Love God, love people. He said it in Matthew chapter 22. Someone asked Jesus, hey, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? This is what he said, verse 37 through 40. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Two attitudes that Jesus tells us. Two attitudes sum up all of the Ten Commandments, all of the timeless ten. We could consolidate them to just two. Love God and love people. That's your motivation. That's your motivation to not commit adultery, uh, to not murder, to not steal. Love God, love people. Your motivation is not jail time. Your motivation is not uh, that you might get caught. Your motivation is not, whoa, they got security cameras. No, it's love. It's love. Let's look at the second one of those attitudes first. Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself, Jesus said. When you respect your neighbor, guess what? They are no longer anonymous. They're no longer just some nameless business or some nameless person who has a really nice flat screen television that you, will, that you want. No, they're a real person. They are a fellow human being loved by God just like God loves you. This command that Jesus gives, uh, love your neighbor as yourself, is found in, the, in he's quoting from the Old Testament, Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, where it says, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, if you put that command there in Leviticus 19 into the context of that chapter, you see what attitude God had in mind when he gave this command, love your neighbor every yourself. Like you go back to verse 9. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. Yeah, here's, so God is saying, here's what I mean by that, by love your neighbor. Care enough about them, your neighbor, so that rather than being greedy and getting every scrap of crop for yourself, you share what you have with those who are in need. When you treat your neighbor with respect, it's almost impossible to be greedy. The end of the command in Leviticus 19, it says this, love, the, love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God. A hundred times in, in the book of Leviticus, this phrase is used. I am the Lord your God. Why? Almost every time it comes after a command. Do this. Obey this command because I am the Lord your God. You know, if we lose sight of who God is, we will lose sight of how to love our neighbor. You know, with, with the two great commandments that God gave us, you can't have one without the other. You know, it, it is our love and our respect for God that motivates us to love and respect our neighbor. They go hand in hand. Jesus said that the greatest commandment, the number one commandment, was that we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind with everything that's in us, with all that is in us. Uh, again, if we don't know and love God, 
we won't understand how God wants us to treat our neighbor. We will be greedy. We will only think of ourselves and, and what our society or what other people owe us. That's all we'll think about if we don't love God and understand how God wants us to treat people. We will just be greedy. Jesus doesn't elaborate on stealing in Matthew chapter 5 as he did with murder and adultery. But guess what? Chapter 6 is an, of Matthew is an entire chapter filled with lessons on greed. Matthew chapter 6, was, verse 1 through 4 is an example. Jesus said, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So, when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they will receive their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Your Father will reward you. You know, God wants us to give out of love for God, not to be seen by others, uh, not to be greedy for their praise. Oh, look how much he gave. It says that God, Jesus said, God is watching to see how we give, not how much we give. In Matthew 6, uh, we, we read the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer. And in the model prayer, Jesus tells us that as we pray, we should trust God to give us our daily bread. God, uh, others don't owe us. In fact, we owe them our forgiveness, just as God forgave us. They don't owe us, we owe them we read that we are not to gather treasures on earth for ourselves that, uh, that will eventually just fade away and rust and decay. Uh, we need to understand that the greatest treasures are the ones found in heaven in a relationship with God. How much of greed comes from worrying that we don't have what we need or what we want? Jesus calls us to stop worrying, and he says in verse 33 and 34, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, all the things that you need, they will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Trust God to provide all that you need, all that you want. Learn to be content with where you are and what you have and just trust God. So let's go back to our chart. What is the antidote for greed? It's giving. It's giving. You know, generosity is one of the best ways to love God and love our neighbor. It truly is. You know, when you start giving, it, it clears the way to eliminate greed from your life. And, and God can fill our heart and our life with blessings where greed formerly was. We wash away greed when we give, and God blesses us. 
I've often said that a great indicator of our devotion to God can be seen in the way we spend our money, all of it. Um, Remember, God is watching to see how you give, not how much you give. when When we can trust God enough to give him a part of our income that he's blessed us with, give it back to him, we can give it without regret, we can give it because we want to, not because we feel we have to, we can give it because we love God, because we want to help those who are in need around us. You know, that goes so far in pushing greed out of our lives because we're replacing it with love for God and love for others. Now, maybe you don't shoplift. Maybe you're not one of those one out of 11. Uh, maybe you don't participate in looting. I haven't seen any of you all on TV yet. Uh, but let's ask ourselves, is greed a problem? Is greed a problem? If we give into our flesh, guess what? It will be a problem because our flesh, as, as I've said many times, it wants what it wants. It doesn't care what God wants. It doesn't care about others. Our flesh just wants what it wants. It will be greedy. So God wants us to use the power of the Holy Spirit that is in every Christian to push all traces of greed out of our lives and replace it with generosity. Generosity. Replace it with giving. Giving part of our income back to Him. Giving our time, our energy, our, our possessions to someone else to bless their lives. So, what is the take home for today? Well, a great one would be, if you're not already doing it, start giving. Start tithing, uh, as giving is often called in the New Testament. That's giving 10% of all that God has blessed you with back to him. That was required of the Israelites. It was the law. Uh, God wants us to just choose to do it because we love him, not because we're required to. Uh, Start giving a percentage of your income on a regular basis back to him. I can promise you, if you do that, it can change your whole attitude about what is truly the greatest treasure in your life. And here's just an idea that can help us deal with any greed that we might have. Just a good exercise that can make us feel good. Take a look at what you have. Go to to your house and look through your closets and in your attic and and in your garage. Um, And if you have two of something, or three or four, and you only really need one, give it away to somebody. Give it to somebody that might need it. Um, don't sell it at a yard sale. Give it. Give it. Take it to goodwill. Take it to your neighbor, to a friend you know could really use this. And that's a way to, to just practice this exercise of generosity. You know, I'm going to keep it because I want it, and I, who knows, I might need 12, 10 packs of toilet paper. <laughs> Give them all away except one, <laughs> the one you need. Let's let God replace our attitude of greed with the wonderful, liberating attitude of generosity. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much uh, for your love and your grace. I thank you for providing what we need. 
or you have promised that if we'll just trust you, you will give us what we need. Uh, and uh, help us to just not use any motivation to, to just hoard things and hold on to things and, and fail to give and fail to be generous because we're worried, because we just want it. But help us to have those two great attitudes that you called us to have, to love you with all of our heart and soul and mind, to love our neighbor as ourselves. They are a, they are a person that your son died for. And in our love for you and for others, uh, greed is totally pushed out of our lives, replaced by generosity. So thank you, Father, for, uh, for this uh, lesson, uh, for the lessons of Jesus in the, in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, thank you so much uh, for helping us know that if we can be generous, uh, we, life will be so much better. We'll be so much happier than if we're hoarding, than if we're greedy. Thank you, Father, for uh, the one who gave us his life, your son Jesus. And we ask it all in his name. Amen.